The Bradford Exchange presents The Classic Radio Theater with your host, Carl Amari. Countdown for blast off. X minus one. Yes, it's Maxwell House Coffee Time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. Richard Diamond, private detective. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Suspense. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Dragnet. We offer you escape. Kraft presents the Great Gildersleeve. Yeah. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. The Jack Benny Program. Welcome, everyone, to episode 96 of the Classic Radio Theater. Each week, the Bradford Exchange and participating sponsors bring you three hours of the Classic Radio Theater featuring programming from the golden age of radio. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts to never miss an episode. This time, we'll hear two half-hour amateur detective episodes of KC Crime Photographer starring Stotts Cotsworth from 1947. Stick around. We'll be right back. For those who could not get enough of B-movie murder mysteries, Casey Crime Photographer was the radio equivalent. It employed similar plot devices such as the suspect about to reveal important information being shot and killed by the guilty party. Loose ends, disappearing corpses, a lack of clues, and too many suspects were the hallmarks of this popular show. Casey was a top-notch photojournalist for the fictional Morning Express who often started his assignments at the Blue Note Cafe, a cozy jazz bar in a great city populated by murderers, kidnap victims, and ex-cons framed for crimes they didn't commit. The police were portrayed unsympathetically, always willing to wrap up the case after Casey had solved it for them. Assisting Casey was his fellow reporter and female interest, the always charming Annie Williams. The character of Jack Flashgun Casey was the creation of George Harmon Cox and first appeared in the pulp magazine Black Mask. In the radio series, his first name was never given. Alonzo Dean Cole, responsible for the eerie late-night horror program The Witch's Tale, wrote most of the radio scripts and many of his episodes featured elements of the supernatural. Casey Crime Photographer inspired two motion pictures and a series of comic books. In 1951, the radio program made the transition to television with Darren McGavin in the lead. Time now for the first of two amateur detective episodes of Casey, Crime Photographer, starring Stotts Cotsworth. In this first story, a reincarnated cat helps Casey track down a murderer. Here's the gray kitten on Casey, Crime Photographer from February 6, 1947. The Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation brings you Crime Photographer. Hello, Mr. Marvin. Hi, Ethelbert. Uh, are we on the air? Yeah, but say, you don't have your script with you tonight. Oh, I don't need a script for what I have to say. Everyone knows that the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation is the world's largest maker of household glass. (laughs) 
Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Tony Marvin. Every week at this time, the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation of Lancaster, Ohio, and its more than 10,000 employees bring you another adventure of Casey, crime photographer, ace cameraman who covers the crime news of a great city. Written by Alonzo Dean Cole. Our adventure for tonight, The Gray Kitten. On the edge of our city is lovely Greenwood Lake. Just before midnight, an automobile pulls up to one of the big bungalows along the shore, and a tall, dark man gets out. Seeming to brace himself, he goes to the door and opens it with his key. Seated before the fireplace is a large and determined-looking middle-aged woman. Hello, Carlos. Why, Hester, this is a pleasant surprise. Where's my sister? Uh, Jessie uh, left for Detroit this evening. Detroit? Didn't she let you know? She certainly didn't. She phoned me this morning and said she wanted to discuss something with me. She said nothing about leaving town. Oh, you know our Jessie. Late this afternoon, she says, Carlos, my darling, I must leave for Detroit tonight to attend to some business. So, like a good husband, I arrange her transportation and take her to the 8 o'clock train. I knew Jessica was becoming irresponsible six months ago when she married you. But I didn't think she was so far gone. Why, I've been waiting here ever since half past eight. And she... she didn't tell you I'd be here. Not a word. Oh, the woman's gone crazy. Uh, when she phoned you this morning, uh, what did she say she wanted to see you about? She didn't say, but I have an idea, Carlos... That you'd been treating her badly again. Why, my dear Hester, why don't you mind your own business? Because I don't trust you. My sister's 50 years old. Young men of your type marry middle-aged women for just one reason, money. Mm. I cannot hope to change your opinion, I suppose. No. So, I'll be starting back to town. I'll help you with the coat. Don't bother. Carlos, how did you get all that dirt on your hands? Dirt? And your shoes and trouser legs, they're covered with it. Oh, my car got stuck in the mud on the shortcut road. I had to push it out. Oh. Just when will Jessica come back from Detroit? Uh, she wasn't sure. She let me know. I see. I suppose she went to Detroit to turn some more of her property there into cash for you to spend. I do not know. And furthermore, I'm not interested in Jessie's man. <laughs> Good night, Hester. Good night. Oh, I nearly forgot something. Forgot? Uh, that cat of Jessica's had a kitten tonight. Cat? Daisy. I heard her meowing when I came in and found her in Jessica's room with one kitten beside her. It had just been born. It was born at what time? Oh, about half past eight. In Jessica's room? I just told you it was. Since Jessica's away, I'm taking Daisy and her kitten home with me. You wouldn't give them proper care. I, I put mother and child in a box in here. You see? Look at her. A gray kitten. All gray. Except for that white streak on its head. It's, <laughs> it's just like the streak of pure white that runs through Jessica's gray hair. Take that kitten out of here. Take it away. Oh. I... As you said, Hester, I, I wouldn't know how to take care of it. Take the cat's box to my car. No, no, you carry the box. You act as though you're afraid of this cat and her kitten. Come, uh, I help you in your car. Oh, very well. The, uh... Be sure you let me know when you hear from Jessica. I will let you know, Hester. I, I will let you know. Oh. 
Logan, you're absolutely nuts. The longest game ever played in a major league was between Brooklyn and Boston in 1920. It went 26 innings. Yeah, wait till I get my hands in a record book. I'll oh, show you. Got a record. Goodness sakes, do you two have the, to make all this noise? This wise guy. Wise oh. guy. That's your phone. Right? Yeah, go on. Hello, Homicide Bureau, Captain Logan speaking. This is Miss Hester Simmons. Who? Hester Simmons. I live at 347 Parkview Drive. Oh, uh, yes, Miss Simmons. What can I do for you? She gives a good address so he gets polite. Oh, shut up, Casey. Uh, go ahead, Miss Simmons. I have something very important to talk to you about. Uh, what is it? My sister has been missing for three weeks, Captain. I, I'm afraid she's been murdered. Murder, Casey. Oh, well, tell me about your sister, Miss Simmons. It's too long a story to tell over the phone. Come to my house, please. Now. All right, I'll be there in 15 minutes, Miss Simmons. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. Hey, you and Miss Williams will have to excuse me, Casey. Oh, oh no. Oh, no, that little word murder we just heard has made us curious. Just a front-page story, pal, with pictures. Okay, come on. <laughs> Your sister's husband told you that night, Miss Simmons, he just put her on the train for Detroit? Yes, Captain. But now I have every reason to disbelieve him. Uh, excuse me, Miss Simmons, what is the name of your sister's husband? Carlos Gavassos. Gavassos, that uh, right? Go on with your story, Miss Simmons. Well, since the night he told me that Jessica had gone to Detroit, I've heard nothing from her. She always writes me when she's away, and I, I became worried. So last week, I engaged a private detective agency. I see. And they learned that although Carlos purchased accommodations for the Detroit train that night, Jessica wasn't on the train, nor have they been able to find any trace of her in Detroit. Uh, Miss Simmons, you say Gervasso's hands were dirty and his shoes and trouser legs were caked with mud that night, huh? Yes, Mr. Casey. He, he might have gotten in that condition from... From digging her grave. Oh, Miss Simmons, you mustn't let yourself imagine such terrible things. I despise Carlos from the day I met him. Why did he marry my sister? All she had to offer him was money. I... I think, finally, she refused to give him any more, so he got rid of her. Well, we'll look into your sister's financial affairs, Miss Simmons. I suppose you know who handled her business. Yes. The firm of Burdens and Lockridge. Hey, Captain, look out. Oh, my gosh, you almost stepped on that little kitten. Where did that come from? I don't know. I guess it just wandered out of the other room. Oh, look at it. (laughs) Can't be more than a few weeks old. A little bundle of gray fur. (laughs) And look at the funny white streak on its head, Casey. See? There's another mark on it. Sure cute. It's always Ah. running away from its mother. That kitten was born the night my sister disappeared. Yeah? Yes, I... I brought it home with me. Well, I, I guess we'll be getting along. Captain, if your investigation of my sister's financial affairs supports my suspicions, will you put Gavassus under arrest? Well, that won't be sufficient basis for a murder charge, Miss Simmons, but it'll cause me to ask Mr. Gavasso some very personal questions. That must be the house, Captain. Yeah, this time of year, this place is a nice setup for a murder. Plenty of privacy. And many places in those deep woods to bury a body. Now, don't you two decide there's been a murder until there's a lot more evidence than I have now. Uh, I'll park here. Well, you've learned that since her marriage, Mrs. Gervasa's converted a lot of her holdings into cash. 
and that there's no record of where that cash went to. Even if her husband got it, Miss Williams, that doesn't prove he killed her. I wonder who that green car in the driveway belongs to. Yeah, Miss Simmons said the Garasso's had a black one. Yeah, I can see that one in the garage. Look, I must have visitors. I mean, a visitor. Look at those footprints in the snow. A woman's footprints. Hey, maybe the missing Mrs. Gervasso's has come home. Well, ring that doorbell. Let's find out. I'm doing that little thing. Who's there? This is a police officer. Police? Let us in, please. What, uh, what do you want? I can tell you that more comfortably inside. Just a minute. He sounded a little nervous. Everybody gets nervous when a cop comes unexpectedly to their door. Now he's opening up. Come in. Thanks. Are you uh, Carlos Garasso's? Yes. I'm Captain Logan, Homicide Squad. Homicide? Uh huh. This is Miss Williams and uh, Mr. Casey. I have done no homicide. It's a nice living room, Mr. Garasso's. Where's the lady who just left it? Lady? Yeah, we saw her car outside and her footprints. Now, here's a highball glass with lipstick on the rim. I see. Well, let's see her. I. Here I am. I stepped into the kitchen because I thought you might want to talk to Carlos in private. Well, introduce me. Uh, this is Miss uh, Vera Lavelle, an old friend. Of yours or your wife's? Of both. I drove out here to ask Mr. Gavassos if he'd heard anything from Jesse. Yeah? Yeah. She's a bimbo, Logan. In caps. Mm. Well, have you heard anything from your wife, Mr. Gavasso? No. I think maybe my wife's sister has sent you to ask me about that. You're right. And we arrived at such a nice time. Distinctive shade of lipstick you use, Miss Laval. Matches the lip prints Mr. Gervasos is wearing on his chin. So what? This gives me the idea that your old friend was pretty sure his wife wouldn't drop in here unexpectedly. This is ridiculous. I do not can see... it, Gervasos. When I came here, I was giving you all the benefit of a doubt. But now you're coming down to headquarters and tell me a lot of things. Does this mean I'm under arrest? Yes. On what charge? Suspicion of murder. All of us are becoming increasingly price conscious. So I know you'll be interested in a product which costs not one penny more than it did immediately before the war and is actually far less expensive than anything even remotely comparable to it only ten years ago. Now, I'm talking about Fire King Oven Glass, the beautiful pale blue oven glass that is guaranteed for two years against oven breakage. Fire King Oven Glass makes delicious meals simpler and easier to prepare, and it cuts dishwashing time by a full two-thirds because you bake, serve, and store leftovers in the same dish. It makes meals more appetizing and more healthful because oven baking safeguards not only flavor, but vitamins and minerals as well. Yet, individual pieces of Fire King oven glass cost as little as five cents at your favorite chain, variety, hardware, or department store. Beautiful, practical, inexpensive Fire King oven glass is a product of Anchor Hawking. A great name in glass. Gervasso's loose today, huh, Casey? Yeah. He's out of jail, Ethelbert. 
And did poor Captain Logan go out on a limb when he put him in there? Same limb you went out on, Annie. Stories you wrote after his arrest had the guy all but convicted and in the hot seat. <laughs> I don't know how you talked city desk into running those things. Must have been your charm, I guess. And the D.A. doesn't even ask for an indictment. Well, he should have gotten an indictment. He was able to prove that Gavassos had gotten over $40,000 from his wife's estate. He could prove that Gavassos and his wife quarreled because she refused to give him any more money. He, he could he prove could that... He could prove everything, Annie, except the all-important fact of murder. And they've still found no trace of a body. The D.A. knows a trial jury wouldn't convict him. So this Gervasius may get away with murder, if he's committed it. Yeah, kind of looks that way, Ethelbert, now. I don't think he's going to keep much of that 40 grand, though. How do you mean? Well, Anna, that Laval dame will get it. You know, I think she, she pushed Gervasius into the murder of Jessica, and I think she'll push him into a new deal soon because she's going to want more money. Say, look who's coming in the door now. Huh? Who? Casey, it's Gervasius. Who's out with him? There they are, Dan. Hello, Miss Williams. Evening, Casey. We expected to find you here. You were looking for us? Not for you, Casey. But here's a present for you, Miss Williams. Uh, what is it? Tell her, Dan. Make it official. Summons, lady. Oh. Yes. I'm suing for $100,000 damages to my name and reputation. Well, Mr. Gavassos, do you think that I have $100,000? Miss Williams, your paper will be a joint defendant in my suit. The stories you wrote were so very unkind to me. Look here, Gavassos, if you bring a libel suit against Miss Williams in the Morning Express, the paper and everyone on it will do everything possible to prove you really killed your wife. No one in this world can prove I killed my wife, Mr. Casey. Hey, what's the matter? The cat. The gray kitten. Gray kitten? I must get out of here. Come on, Dan. Right with you, boss. Casey, what is the Don't ask me. It was sure peculiar. Hey, wait a minute. Have a look at you, kitty. Come here. Come I here. guess some people are just naturally afraid of cats, Casey. Hey, where did this kitten come from, Ethelbert? I must have sneaked in from the street. It don't belong here. It just sat on the floor and looked at Gervasos, and then when he saw it, he... Annie, this gray kitten has a single white mark on its forehead. Look. Like the one we saw at Miss Simmons a month ago. Yes. Hmm. Yes, it has. I'm going to have a talk with Miss Simmons tomorrow. You know, I'm getting a screwy hunch that this cat is bad medicine for that guy, Gervasos. Miss Simmons, you say Gervaso showed fear of this kitten the night it was born. Yes, and I, I've been thinking of a certain possible reason for his actions that frightens me. What's that? Are you familiar with the theory of reincarnation? Reincarnation? Oh, you mean the belief that when a person dies, his soul is born again in a new body? Perhaps in that of an animal. My sister Jessica believed in reincarnation. Carlos is very superstitious. And he'd heard Jessica say that when she died, she'd return to life as a cat. Huh? She said that? Many, many times. And that kitten was born in your sister's room about the time Gervasos may have killed her. Yes. And this kitten has the white streak on its head that ran through Jessica's hair. Hmm. I, as most people, regard the strange combination of things I've mentioned as coincidence. But I think they explain Carlos' fear. And prove his guilt. Miss Simmons, I kind of think so, too. But we've got to have better proof than that for a jury. I want to borrow that kitten. What for? 
I'm going to use it to break that guy down. Play on his superstition till he cracks wide open. At least once a day, he's going to run into this cat. He ran into it last night. And no one arranged that. Yeah, that's funny, isn't it? Very funny. Take the kitten, Mr. Casey, and be good to it. Be good to it, Mr. Casey. Your idea about using that kitten to crack Gervasos is swell, Casey. Huh? Well, I'm glad you see the possibilities, Logan. Every time Gervasos goes out... One of your detectives will shoo the kitten right across his path, Captain. Uh-huh. Beautiful, Miss Williams. Simply beautiful. Well, well, well. For once, we bring you an idea and you don't throw ice water on it. You two masters of detection and criminal psychology haven't given me a chance to talk yet. Uh-oh. Your idea is magnificent, stupendous, and colossal. Yeah, it but... might even work, except for one thing. Yeah. Gervasos has disappeared. Gervasos disappeared. Has... He and that Laval dame took a powder last oh. night, left with bag and baggage. Well, didn't you have him watched? I thought the DA's men were keeping an eye on him, and he thought my guy... Oh, we're doing the job. nice so, going. Of course, really. you newspaper birds a, never make a mistake. Don't you start one of your riots oh, now. Okay. My nerves won't take it, please. Uh, <laughs> uh, Captain, you locate Gavassos and the Laval woman eventually, of course. Yeah, we'll try to, Miss Williams, but we still don't have enough evidence of murder. I've got work to do now. The two of you will take that kitten and, and get out of here. Okay. Uh, where is the kitten, Casey? Huh? Uh-huh. Well, it was on the floor here a minute ago. See? Here, here, kitty. Here, kitty. Cat, come here. Not over here. Kitty, 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 kitty. Come here. Anyway, the door is closed. Here, kitty. Here, kitty, kitty, kitty. Sound kind of silly, Logan. It must have gone out that window. Yeah, yeah, there it is. It's down on the street. It's running around that corner. Oh, my gosh, it'll be killed or get lost and we'll never find it. You should have been watching it, Casey. Now, like Gervasso's, the kitten is gone. Casey, it's been... Look out, look out, Grace! Oh, dear, these women. Did you see what she did? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, Casey, it's been a long time now since that Gervasos and his gal friend flew the coop, huh? (laughs) Over three months, Edward, yeah. And the cops haven't found a trace of them. It's really a break for you and your newspaper, Miss Williams. With Gervasio's gone, he can't sue you. Well, I think that was just a shakedown anyway. I hope. Yeah. If he'd stuck around, I think we'd have gotten a confession out of him, too. By using that kitten as your plan? Why, sure. He was scared to death of that little thing, Ethelbert. I think seeing it here that night was the reason he lambed out of town in such a hurry. Oh, wait a minute. Here's Logan. Hello, everybody. I I hoped I'd find you here, Casey. Yeah, well, drop a stool, pal. Uh, I haven't time now. Huh? Casey, we've located Gervasos in Vera Laval. You yeah, have? Where? Yeah, in a town less than 100 miles from here. The guy's married again to another rich old dame. Married again, Yeah, huh? under another name, of course. And he's dyed his hair, grown a mustache, and is wearing glasses. Hmm. Uh, the local cops only got wise to him by accident. And the Laval gal is living in the same town. She's changed herself over, too. They're getting ready for another killing, Casey. What, you mean that literally? Yeah. A servant who works for Gervasso's new wife overheard a conversation between Gervasso's and Laval. And the servant tipped off the wife, and she told the cops. Yeah? yeah. They instructed her to sit tight until I got there. I understand the guy is planning to take his new missus, who's really got plenty of dough, on a boat trip to South America. But she's not supposed to reach there. Oh, what's the scheme to get rid of her? Uh, we don't know yet, but I'm leaving for Gervasso's new hometown in an hour. Hey, you want to go along? Do we? Oh, pal, we're on our way. Uh, 
You sure we're alone in this house, Carlos? I uh, sent my dear Isabel to the movies. They're quite alone here. Uh, come into my room where you can see what I have arranged uh, for our little trip. I don't trust your arrangements, Carlos. I planned the last job and it went off perfectly. Perfectly for you. You got most of the money. And uh, you did not have to see that Jessica look at you when she died. I can still see her eyes staring into mine. Well, you've got no guts. It was not a nice thing to remember. And then the gray kitten... Camlet! If I ever see you go soft again about that great kitten idea, I'm pulling out and fast. She always said she'd be born again as a cat. And that kitten... Stop it, I said! You sap! Now let's get our plan straight. When your wife comes home from the movies tonight, you're going to do the job. Yes. Tomorrow morning, an expressman will call for our trunks. She will be in one of the trunks. Which will be shipped to New York from where the boat leaves. Then I, wearing her clothes and with her big fur scarf pulled up about my face, will take her place on the train. Uh, when we get to New York, we claim the trunk, get rid of, of its uh, contents, and uh, disappear. Right. Then, under new names, we go to sunny California with nearly $80,000 that you've gotten out of your latest wife. <laughs> oh, um, which trunk are you going to use for the job? Is that uh, old-fashioned flat one. I'll just take a look at it. Uh, be careful with it. Uh, do not touch the lid. Why? <laughs> look closely inside the lid. Hmm. There's a thin glass tube running along the inside edge. Uh-huh. The tube is filled with gas. A gas so poisonous that the one who breathes it dies almost instantly. And the lid of this trunk is closed. The glass tube automatically breaks. And whoever is inside... Why such a fancy layout? All you have to do is choke the old man. No. I tell you, I never look into a dying woman's eyes again. My wife gets into that trunk and kills herself. You crazy fool. How will you make her get inside and close the lid? Ah... You do not know the wife I, I married this time. <laughs> she called me uh, Puggy Wiggums. <laughs> oh, no. Likes to play childhood games. Childhood games? Uh, you don't know what I've gone through. Her favorite is hide-and-seek. I will play hide-and-seek for the last time tonight. And she will be sure to think that empty trunk a very fine place to hide. The lid is very finely balanced, and it is equipped with a snap lock. Oh, wait a minute. Your Isabel may not be able to cram herself into this trunk. You and she are about the same size, Carlos. Let's see if you can fit in there. Uh, You wouldn't let the lid fall on me, Vera. Oh, don't be nuts. What would I gain by that? Nothing. I have Isabel's money. Uh, I trust you and get in. You are a trusting guy. But hold the lid open. I will. Trunk is kind of small for me. I was afraid of that. Hey, wait. I move this way. Now I'm all inside. See? But I will have difficulty getting out. Hold tight the lid while I... <coughs> the cat, Vera. Behind you, the great cat. How did I get in here? It's going to jump, Vera. Hold the lid. It's going my ass in my face. Don't let the lid go. I didn't mean to. Carlos, I didn't mean to. That cat. That cat. Crash the door, Logan. Crash it. Get it, Casey. Captain Logan. Casey. Shoot the lock off that trunk, Logan. And fast. All right, I'll lift the lid. Get away quick, Casey. That's gas. <laughs> the windows are open. <laughs> It'll soon clear. Not quick enough for Gavassos. I've seen a lot of dead guys, and our pal here is one of them. 
You were listening outside. We heard everything, Miss LaBelle. And I'm arresting you for the murder of Carlos Garrasos. But I didn't kill him. That cat maybe let that lid fall. We don't see any cat here, Miss Lavelle. Maybe it jumped out one of those open windows, or maybe it never was here. Anyway, a jury won't swallow that story. Miss Lavelle, we're going to be sure you pay for murder this time. Perhaps you were one of the housewives interviewed in a recent big city survey. If so, you may recall you were asked these two questions among many others. When you buy packaged foods, what kind of container do you prefer and why? A vast majority of you said that you preferred to buy foods packed in crystal clear glass. You gave literally hundreds of reasons. Practically all of you, however, preferred the glass package because it lets you see exactly what you buy before you buy it. Included in this survey were many hundreds of young mothers who were questioned on baby food packages. Eight out of nine said they not only preferred, but insisted on prepared baby foods packed in glass. And their most important reasons were that glass was cleaner and more sanitary, that leftovers can be resealed and safely stored in the original container. Now, you too can have these recognized advantages with the foods you buy. Simply demand foods packed in glass in anchor glass containers protected by tamper-proof anchor vacuum caps. Both products of Anchor Hawking. A great name in glass. You and Logan never meant to railroad that Laval dame for the murder of Gervasas, huh, Casey? Of course not, Oliver. We were just putting on pressure. To make her tell what she and Carlos had done with the body of Jessica. What had they done with it? Carlos had buried it about four miles away from Greenwood Lake, where the cops had no reason to search for it. Casey, you and Miss Williams didn't see the cat that made that trunk lid fall and kill a guy, huh? No, we didn't see it. It, um, it had gone out a window as we guess it came in. Do you think it was really the gray kitten? Could have been any cat. Hmm? Ethelbert, we don't know. Hmm. According to that reincarnation idea, an animal might be born again as a human being. Hmm. Yes, Ethelbert, that's possible. Very, very possible. Yeah, it's very, very possible. Hey, what are you staring at me for? Crime Photographer, starring Stotts Cotsworth as Casey, is brought to you each Thursday by the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation, makers of Fire King Oven Glass. Anchor Glass Containers, Anchor Caps and Closures. All products of the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation. A great name in glass.
Crime Photographer is directed by John Deeds. The original music is by Archie Blyer, and the program features Miss Leslie Woods as Anne and John Gibson as Ethelbert. Thursday night on CBS is the biggest show in town, so stay tuned for exciting dramatizations on Reader's Digest Radio Edition, which follows immediately over most of these stations. This is Tony Marvin saying goodnight for the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation, the world's largest makers of household glass. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. And that's Casey Crime Photographer with the Gray Kitten, starring Stotts Cotsworth from February 6, 1947. Also in the cast, Leslie Woods and John Gibson with Tony Marvin announcing for Anchor Hawking Glass, as heard over CBS. All of the classic radio shows we present on this series are direct from the master recordings. I have more than 100,000 original radio episodes under license from the owners and estates, and we make them available via digital download or on CD through our Classic Radio Club. By joining the Classic Radio Club, you'll receive 10 superior-sounding classic radio shows sent directly to you each month, along with detailed liner notes and photos of the stars. You'll receive your first 10 classic radio episodes for only $1, and you can cancel at any time. To learn more about the Classic Radio Club, log on to ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts to never miss an episode. I'll have another episode of KC Crime Photographer after this short break. Welcome back to the Classic Radio Theater. I'm your host, Carl Amari. This time, a man commits suicide while on the phone with his insurance agent, but Casey suspects he's been murdered. Here's the 20-minute alibi on Casey Crime Photographer, starring Stotts Cotsworth from February 20th, 1947. The Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation brings you Crime Photographer. Mr. Marvin? Huh? There ain't no door to open. You're already inside. Why, Ethelbert, haven't you heard that song? You mean that is the name of a song? Certainly. Haven't you heard it on the radio? You know, Mr. Marvin, I never get a chance to listen to the radio. What I mostly hear is Anchor Hawking is... That's right. Anchor Hawking. Glass Corporation is the world's largest makers of household glass. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Tony Marvin. Every week at this time, the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation of Lancaster, Ohio, and its more than 10,000 employees bring you another adventure of Casey, crime photographer, ace cameraman who covers the crime news of a great city. Our adventure for tonight, 20-Minute Alibi. (laughs) 
late afternoon in the office of the Acme Insurance Company. A telephone rings on the desk of Mr. Edward Phillips. Acme Insurance, Phillips speaking. Mr. Phillips? Yes? This is Mr. Prescott. Travis Prescott. I've got to talk to you about my life insurance policy. Yes, Mr. Prescott? I've been having trouble raising the money for the premium. How much more time have I got? Well, I sent you a final notice sometime last week. Yes, yes, you did, but... What'll happen if I can't meet the payment? Why, after today, I'm afraid the policy will have to lapse, Mr. Prescott. Lapse? Yes. In other words, you won't be insured after today. What time... Uh, what time is it now? By a quarter to five. And I have until midnight to pay the premium? That's right, sir. But if anything happened to me before... I mean, the policy is still good now, isn't it? Yes, sir. That's all I wanted to know. Uh, just a moment, Mr. Prescott. Uh, Mr. Prescott, what happened? Mr. Prescott? Mr. Prescott? <laughs> well, congratulations, Ethelbert. How did the... When did all this happen, anyway? Last night, Casey, huh? uh, the bartenders were just having their regular monthly meeting, and they elected me. Oh, what do you know? Of course, I still think the reason so many people come in here is because they like to hear Herman Jettison play the piano. Mm, boy, you got a point there. Like my sister Edna says, quote, eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow you don't have to work. That is, if it's Saturday night, uh, unquote. But you know Edna. Yeah, I know Edna. Hello, Ethelbert. Good night. Oh, <laughs> hello, Miss Williams. Hi. Hi, Annie. Pull up a stool. You're crazy. What do you have, huh? Not now, Casey. We got a job. Why? Uh, where? What's up? Man got killed over at the Milton Hotel, shot in the head with his own revolver. Suicide? That's what Captain Logan's men seem to think. We better get over there right away. Well, what's the rush? Because I know you, Casey. If Logan says it's suicide, you're going to think it's murder. Come on, Annie. We're going to have to shoulder our way through this. Gosh, there's enough cops in this hall to launch a battleship. Yeah, yeah, where are you going? Press, Commissioner. Gentlemen of the press. Her, too. No, officer, I'm a lady. It's all right, Dolan. They can come in. Yes, sir. Thank you, Logan. Well, old boy, it's awfully decent of you to let me solve this case for you. Now, don't start masterminding, Casey. This is a very simple job, and all you have to do is take pictures. Oh? The murderer has confessed, has he? The murderer has not confessed. There isn't any murderer, understand? This is a simple case of suicide, and let's keep it that way. Okay, okay. I didn't say anything. Maybe not, but you're thinking. Well, one of us has to think, huh, Logan? <laughs> what? Oh, oh, don't pay any attention to him, Captain. He just got up on the right side of bed this morning. Well, he won't get up at all tomorrow if he doesn't watch his... Well, come on, come back. on. Where's the body, Captain? Over here, behind the sofa, right next to the telephone stand. Hmm. Where you found him? I didn't find him, Casey. My men found him. What's his name? Prescott. Travis Prescott. He lived here in this hotel? No, he was a salesman, lived uptown, and used this room as a sort of downtown office. Uh, watch it, Logan. Uh, what's the matter? Just taking a picture. Don't get scared. Oh. Now, you can put your clodhoppers anywhere you want. Thank you. See, what makes you think it's suicide, Logan? Oh, just a wild hunch. Prescott was found with a gun in his hand and a bullet hole through his right temple. Powder burns on the face proved that the gun was fired at close range, and a neat little suicide note was found in the carriage of his typewriter. Is that enough of a hint, Mr. Casey? No. Then I'll let you speak to Mr. Phillips. 
Uh, Mr. Phillips. Yes, Captain Logan. Will you please tell this gentleman that Mr. Prescott called you up at a quarter of five this afternoon, that he didn't have enough money to pay the premium on his life insurance policy, and that you heard him shoot himself while you were on the phone? Uh, now, wait a minute, Logan. You can't hear a man shoot himself. You've got to see it. Well, this was practically the same thing. Mr. Phillips was still in the wire when the shot was fired. Well, that doesn't mean anything. A murderer could have phonied up the whole setup to make it look like suicide. Use your head, Casey. If you wanted a murderer to look like suicide, would you kill a man while he was still on the phone? He's got you there, partner. Mm. Oh, okay, mastermind. You go to your church and I'll go to mine. Now, just a second, Logan. Has anything in this room been moved since Prescott's body was discovered? You know better than that. Not when my tech men get finished. Then it's murder, my friend. Good old premeditated homicide. What do you mean? Look at the telephone, Logan. Didn't you say Mr. Phillips here heard the shot over the wire? Well, I did hear Well, then if Mr. Prescott committed suicide, how did the receiver get back on the hook? Only one person could have hung up that phone after Prescott was dead, Logan, and that's the murderer. Now, wait a minute, Casey. I thought of that, too. It's just probable that Prescott put it back himself. Well, after he'd been shot through the head. Well, it's possible, isn't it? He could have staggered and dropped it back into place as he fell to the floor. Sure, sure. He could have played a violin concerto on the way down. So will you shut up? It doesn't make sense, Captain. Casey's right about this being murder, and you know it. I don't know anything of the kind yet. Uh, uh, Mr. Phillips, tell me, did you hear the phone click after the shot was fired? Why, uh, now that I think about it, I... Yes, I am sure I heard a click, as though the receiver had been placed back on the hook. Oh, funny you're remembering it now. What do you mean by that? Nothing. I'm just passing the time of day until Captain Logan decides to start looking for some suspects. Yeah, how about that, Captain? Doesn't this Mr. Prescott have any... Friends or relatives? He's got a wife. Yeah? Well, why isn't she here? Yeah, she probably will be any minute. I sent word to her just before you came in. What was her reaction to the news, Captain? I don't know. I, I wasn't the one who broke hey, it. Oh, that sounds Take like her now. Let go of me, please. It's all right, Dolan. She can come in. We were expecting her. Yes, sir. Where is the officer? What have they done with no, him? No, no, no. Just a minute, please. Is he dead? Is he really dead? Tell me, how did it happen? Uh, please, please. Uh, you've got to... Oh, the name of heaven, officer. Why are you keeping me from him? Why don't you let me see him? Travis! No, no, no. You, you oh, mustn't Travis, go. Travis, darling. Well, for sake, will you take her away from the party? No, no. I love you. I love oh, you. I know how you feel, but you've got to pull yourself together now. Well, let me stay with him just a little while. Don't you understand? I love him more than anything in the world. I, I, I'm terribly sorry. I know it's a shock to you. Oh, it's all right. Only I can't understand why anybody would want it. Who killed him, officer? Who killed him? Why, uh, I don't know. I, I'm not entirely sure he was killed. Captain Logan thinks he might have committed suicide. Oh, but that's ridiculous. He had everything to live for. He told me so this afternoon. But you saw your husband this afternoon, Mrs. Prescott? Husband? Yeah. Aren't you his wife? Why, no. I'm Evelyn Warner. I'm Mr. Prescott's secretary. <laughs> Day after tomorrow is Washington's birthday, and I'm sure you'll want to observe at least one good old tradition. So how about serving a delicious home-baked cherry pie for dinner? You'll find mouth-watering recipes in any good cookbook. But to make those recipes turn out right, to ensure flaky crusts, evenly and lightly browned with no danger of scorching, be sure to use a Fire King oven glass pie plate. You see, Fire King oven glass absorbs oven heat so uniformly that it practically ensures baking results. Now, you'll find a wide selection of Fire King oven glass at your favorite chain, variety, hardware, and department stores, 
separate pie plates in different sizes, as well as casseroles with pie plate covers, and smaller pieces for baking individual deep-dish cherry pies. Fire King oven glass prices are unbelievably low, and each piece is guaranteed for two years against oven breakage. Ask for Fire King oven glass by name. Another product of Anchor Hawking. A great name in glass. You've got to unnerve Casey walking right up to Mrs. Prescott's apartment and ringing the bell. What do you expect to find out from her anyway? Somebody's coming. Yes? Uh, oh, excuse me. I thought this was Mrs. Prescott's apartment. Uh, it is. Uh, I'm her father. Lane is my name. How do you do, Mr. Lane? Is Mrs. Prescott in? Yes, but if your reporters... Oh, we won't stay very long, Mr. Lane. We just want to ask her a few questions. Well, I, I appreciate that it's your job, of course, but really we've been hounded by so many reporters this evening. Uh, can't you come back at her some other time and instead of bothering Mrs. Prescott again tonight? She's... Been through so much. Well, we'll miss the morning edition. If yes, we... yes, I know, but couldn't I answer your questions for you? After all, the police have been here, and the whole terrible shock of Mr. Prescott's it's death... It's all of... right, Father. You can let them in. But, Helen, I'm sure it's I... It's all right, Father. What's the use of pretending I'm upset about Travis's death? Everybody knows how he treated me. Helen, I think it's a mistake oh, to... Oh, come in. Come in, won't you? Let's get these press interviews over once and for all. Well, we'll make this a short one, Mrs. Prescott. Thank you. Helen, I, I think you're giving these people the wrong impression What's the of... good of keeping up appearances? It's all over now. Once I can really act the way I feel. You sound as if you were almost glad your husband is dead, Mrs. Prescott. Don't say that. I, I'm not glad. But I'm not sorry either. Huh? See, I've been hurt so much these past few years, I... I'm just sort of numb about it. Does that seem very cold to you? Well, frankly, uh, a little. Well, maybe it is. Then you didn't know Travis. You didn't know the pain or the heartache he could bring to those who tried to love him. He was a scoundrel. Really, he was. I hate to say so now, but he treated Mrs. Prescott abominably when he was alive. Hmm? In what way, Mr. Lane? In every way. He drank, gambled, spent my daughter's money. Spent it on other women. Women like that secretary of his. Oh, you know about her? Yes. She wasn't the only one. A little fool. He didn't care any more about her than he did about me. You think she might have killed him? Hmm? If she was in love with him. Anybody who was in love with him might have killed him. Including you? I wasn't in love with him. Well, it doesn't really matter very much. The police think he committed suicide. Who, Travis? Not in a million years. My father's right. Travis wouldn't take his own life. He was much too fond of living. Then you think that he was murdered? I'm sure of it. By whom? Any ideas? That's something for the police to figure out. Hey, look, try to remember, will you? After all, you're the doorman here. You ought to know what time Mrs. Prescott came home this afternoon. Well, I do remember, but I don't know that I can pass that information along to you. I've already passed it along to the police. But we're practically policemen. Show me your press badge, Casey. And will you stay off my side? We're, we're confusing the guy. I'm not confused. I know when Mrs. Prescott came home. Oh, yeah, when? About a quarter past five. Quarter past five, huh? That's just a half hour after her husband was killed. She could have done it, Casey. 
Only takes about 20 minutes to get here from the Milton Hotel. 25 at the outside if she came right over. Mm, that's just what I was thinking. Say, tell me, Mike, did she come home in a cab? Yes, I believe she did. Alone, or was she with her father? Oh, no, she wasn't with her father. Mr. Lane came home at least half hour earlier. About a quarter to five. No, just about. Maybe a few minutes before. Yeah, well, that lets him out, but it doesn't make it any too cozy for her. Well, thanks for the tip, old man. Here's one for you. Much obliged to you, sir. Come on, Annie. We've got work to do. Well, wait a minute. You don't have to yank me off my feet. Where are we going? Back to the car first. Gee. Then we're going to drive down to... Say, wait a minute. What's the matter? Quick. Get up against the side of the building. I've got to flash that dame in the lobby. She's coming out. What dame? Who's coming out? Shh. Mrs. Prescott. There she is now. Gosh, she's dolled up. A nice time for her to be getting about. Where do you suppose she's going? Keep your eye on her, Annie. We may have to tail her. Look, she's getting into that parked car on the corner. For Pete's sake, get ready, kid. We're going to follow that car. Why? Whose is it? Don't you recognize the guy behind the wheel? That's Mr. Phillips, the insurance agent. Casey, we'll both be killed if you keep driving this way. Don't worry, Annie. I've still got two wheels on the ground. Well, let one of the others down anyway. Right, we're coming down for a landing now. Stopping up ahead. I wonder why. Everything looks closed up around here. Where are we? Downtown. Near River Street. These are all office buildings. Wait. They're going inside that gray one on the corner. Well, don't give them a chance to get away. Come on, Annie. We've got to find out what they're up to. Not so fast, Casey. I've got high heels on. There's no time to call attention to your legs. We're in a hurry. Oh, don't be so manly. We'll catch up with them. If we don't get a move on. Well, there they are. Going in that side door off the lobby, see? I hope they're not trying to give us the slip. That's what I hope. No, it looks like some sort of office on the first floor. Hey, that is an office. Oh, oh. Acme Insurance Company. Hmm. I'm going to find out what they're up to. Easy now. Mr. Phillips might be back there with a gun. Come on, we'll take a chance. Don't tell me you're going to hold my hand. To cross the threshold. There. Now you're on your own. Hey, what but... Take what? it easy, Casey. Logan, what... Be... Captain Logan. What are you doing here? Minding my own business. Well, what are you doing? But, uh, now, look, Logan, don't be like that. We've been following that Phillips guy and Mrs. Prescott. They came in here a second ago. Didn't you see them? Yes, I saw them. I sent for them. You what? I sent for them, Miss Williams. Well, it's about time you got wise to yourself, Logan. Are they in this thing together? Did they cook up some kind of scheme to kill Prescott and collect his insurance? Well, uh, not exactly. Not exactly. Well, what do you mean? Come on, give. What have you got on them? I just asked them to come down here so I could have a look at Mr. Prescott's insurance policy. Aha! Good boy, Logan. That dame is suspect number one on my list. Mine, too. She had motive and an opportunity to commit the crime. Where? Tell me about it. At a quarter to five, when Travis Prescott was murdered, too. And she didn't get back to her apartment until one half an hour later. So you figure she was with her husband at the time of his death, mm -hmm. sure? Well, as a matter of fact, she wasn't. Uh, oh. Oh, uh, she's got an alibi, I suppose. You said it, Casey, an airtight one. At a quarter to five, she was at a bridge party uptown with over a dozen witnesses. So she couldn't have killed her husband. Uh, no, I guess not. Then who did? I don't know yet. I've still got an idea it was suicide, remember? Yeah, I remember. Suicide or not, Logan, if you let that woman put one over on you, you're a sap. She has everything to gain by her husband's death, including that nice fat insurance policy. Well, the policy may be fat, but it won't do her any good. Why not? Because she's not the beneficiary. Mr. Prescott left the money to Evelyn Warner, his secretary. <laughs>
What do you want, Mr. Casey? Well, I'll tell you, Miss Warner, if you'll just take your foot away from the door and let us come in. No, please. I'm awfully busy right now. Can't you two come back some other time? And find you gone? Why, no, of course not. What makes you think I was going anywhere? Don't you dare come in here. Why? What are you hiding? Nothing. Nothing but a half-packed suitcase. I can see that from here. Go away. I will in a minute, Miss Warner. Come on in, Annie. Like you are. Big idea, sister. But you know it's bad news to run away at a time like this? It's practically an admission of guilt. I don't care what it is. You mean you killed Mr. Prescott? No. According to what Logan tells me, you were at the office with him this afternoon. Of course I was. I was his secretary, wasn't I? I was there until 4 o'clock. And where were you after 4 o'clock? Trap. Mr. Prescott sent me out on an errand. And why are you so anxious to get away now? Because I know what'll happen. They'll send me to the chair for something I didn't do. If you didn't do it, you've got nothing to worry about, Miss Warner. But all the evidence points to me, the insurance policy, the fact that I worked for him, even the fact that I was in love with him. There's only one fact that really counts. Can you prove you were not with Mr. Prescott at a quarter to five this afternoon? No. The only man who could prove it for me won't help me. Who's that? Mrs. Prescott's father, Mr. Lane. He knows I wasn't at the office at a quarter to five this afternoon, but he'll never tell the police that. Why not? Because he hates me. I'm sure he does. Any man would hate me for breaking up his daughter's marriage. Oh, but he wouldn't send you to the chair for it. Besides, Mr. Lane doesn't strike me as the kind of a guy who'd blame you for what happened. He would. I know he would. I can't take a chance. You can't take a chance because you killed Travis Prescott. No! You'll have a hard time convincing Stand him... Stand back! Hey, what are Look you doing there with it? She's got a gun. Stand back, both of you. I know how to use it, and I will if you get in my way. Don't be an idiot. You can't get away with this. We'll see about that. Close my bag. Quick! Now, put it on the floor and stand back. You're a chump to walk out of here with that gun in your hand. I'm not asking your advice, Mr. Casey. Just don't move a muscle till I'm outside the door. Stand just where you are. I'll take that gun oh, if you Mr. please. Mr. Lane! What's the meaning of this, Miss Warner? I was just about to ring your bell. Hold her, Mr. Lane. I'll take care of that gun. Let me go, you stupid fool. Let go of me. Thank you, Miss Warner. You might hurt somebody with that thing. What's the matter here? What has she done? Plenty, Mr. Lane. Murdered your son-in-law and tried to make it look like suicide. She just gave us a cock and bull story about you being able to fix her up with an alibi. I don't understand. Didn't Mr. Prescott die at a quarter to five this afternoon? That's right. Then how could Miss Warner have killed him? Huh? What do you mean? Well, Miss Warner dropped some mail off for me at the apartment this afternoon. I was with her at almost exactly a quarter to five. <laughs> Casey, you've been sitting there for the last 15 minutes without opening your mouth. What's the matter with him, Miss Williams? To put it in simple language, Ethelbert, Casey is what we might call stuck. Hmm. Uh, does that expression on your face, Casey, mean that you're thinking? Yeah. Give me another cup of that coffee, Ethelbert. Awful stuff. Oh, uh, Walter, bring Casey another coffee. I told you it was awful. You know Walter can't make coffee. You're telling me. <laughs> Annie, I give up. As far as I can make out, nobody was at Mr. Prescott's office at a quarter of five this afternoon. Well, at least Mr. Prescott was there. I'm beginning to wonder. <laughs> Boy, if he was alive, he'd probably have an alibi, too. Maybe Logan was right. Maybe it was suicide. Hmm. Certainly beginning to look that way. Only there's something awful fishy about that phone call. 
think Mr. Phillips is lying? I don't know. He's got plenty of witnesses from his office. But there might have been some shenanigans at the other end of the line. Oh, say, uh, Ethelbert, if that's for me, you know what to tell him. Right, Casey, you know me. Excuse me, folks. Hello, Blue Note, Ethelbert speaking. Deposit five cents, please. Yeah, wait, I'll have to get... Hey, wait a minute, I just picked up the phone. If you'll give me your name and address, we'll return your nickel. But I didn't put in a nickel. You should deposit five cents before you dial. Please hang up and dial again. Hey, look, lady. Hello? Hello? (laughs) Goodbye. Hmm, must have been a wrong number. A blue note, Ethelbert speaking. Wrong number, excuse it, please. I thought so. Oh, dear, these telephone operators. I have more trouble... Hey, wait a minute, Ethelbert, you know... Wait, wait a minute, you, you give me a hunch. Huh? The telephone operator, Annie. Hmm? That's who I want to talk to. Come on. Where are we going? Back to the Hotel Milton. I want to talk to the operator at the switchboard. Milton Hotel, just a moment, please. Now, what were you saying, Mr. Casey? Well, uh, we wanted to have a look at the call sheet, miss. You keep a record of all outgoing calls, don't you? That's right. Are you from the telephone company? Uh, No, no, not exactly. But, uh, look, if you'll do this little job for us, we can get your picture in the paper. See, see, he's got his camera and everything. Yeah, here it is, right here. Well, what do you want to know? Oh, just how many calls Mr. Prescott made from his room this afternoon between... Half past four and five o'clock. Half past four and five o'clock. Mm-hmm, that's it. Did he make any other calls beside the one to the Acme Insurance Company? Between half past four and five o'clock? Yeah. Gee, that's funny. According to the sheet, Mr. Prescott didn't use the phone dog during that time. Last call he made was at four o'clock. Let me see that, will you? Sure. Casey, what's it mean? Annie. It means we're dealing with a pretty slick murderer. That phone call Mr. Phillips got wasn't made from this hotel. That's so. What's more, Prescott didn't even make it. His voice was impersonated by somebody else's after the murder was committed. Yes, but... but Here, hold on to this sheet, Annie. We've got to get in touch with Logan right away. Operator, will you call headquarters, please? Hey, hey, who turned off those lights? I don't know, but somebody slipped into this room, Casey. I saw the door close just as... Oh, Casey, help me! Somebody grabbed the call sheet out of my hand. He's got the list of calls. Don't worry, I've got him. Quick, turn on the lights while I hold him down. I'll find the switch, Mr. Casey. Now we'll see who murdered Travis Prescott. Mr. Lane. It's all right, Mr. Casey. I won't try to get away. Go ahead and call the police. Okay, Mr. Lane. So you killed your son-in-law? Yes. I had every reason in the world for killing him. After the way he treated my daughter, he, he didn't deserve to live. I made up my mind to kill him when he tried to borrow money from me to meet his insurance policy. Policy that would only benefit that... That secretary. After you shot Prescott, you went back to your apartment and called up Mr. Phillips, the insurance man. You impersonated your son-in-law's voice, and while Mr. Phillips was still on the wire, you fired a shot for him to hear over the phone. Yes. I tried to make it look as if Prescott had died at a quarter to five. Ah. Because I was already at home at that time. With a perfect alibi. When did you kill Prescott, Mr. Lane? At exactly 25 minutes after four. Ah. That gave you a perfect alibi, all right. The only trouble is it gave everybody else one, too. Okay, Annie, call up Logan. (laughs) 
Back in the 1920s, the average grocery carried only a few hundred items. Today, big food markets sell literally thousands of different products, different grades and different brands. If it weren't for glass containers, marketing would indeed be a very perplexing problem. But thanks to transparent glass, marketing is not only simple and easy, but it's also fascinating. For glass lets you see exactly what you buy before you buy it. It lets you decide immediately whether the product is what you want or not. Yes, the colorful array of gleaming glass-packed foods on your market shelves is exciting and stimulating. It makes shopping a pleasure. And when you're in a hurry, when you aren't sure what to buy, what brand, what quality, what size, play safe and buy foods packed in crystal-clear sanitary anchor glass containers protected by tamper-proof anchor vacuum caps. Both products of Anchor Hawking. A great name in glass. Well, you see, Ethelbert, it, it was a perfect alibi. I don't see how it's so perfect if the guy got caught. Well, he wouldn't have been caught if it hadn't been for our man Casey. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that, Annie. Logan was onto that call sheet long before I was. He had a photostatic copy of it the whole time. Well, then why didn't he do something with it? If this Lane guy hadn't followed you to the hotel and made that pass in the dark, he'd have been a free man. Oh, not necessarily. No, Logan was playing the whole thing cozy, letting it pass for suicide and keeping an eye on all the suspects all the time. Well, if I ever commit a murder, I'm not going to make it fancy. Oh, why not? Well, you see what happened to this Lane guy. He should have known you can't commit a murder and make it look like suicide. Why? Because any man that commits a murder is committing suicide at the same time. Crime Photographer, starring Stotts Cotsworth as Casey, is brought to you each Thursday by the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation, makers of Fire King Oven Glass, Anchor Glass Containers, Anchor Caps and Closures, all products of the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation, a great name in glass. Photographer is directed by John Dietz. Tonight's episode was written by Robert Sloan. The original music was by Archie Blyer, and the program features Miss Leslie Woods as Anne and John Gibson as Ethelbert. Thursday night on CBS is the biggest show in town, so stay tuned for exciting dramatizations on Reader's Digest Radio Edition, which follows immediately over most of these stations. If you are a young woman between the ages of 18 and 35, Here's a way in which you can serve yourself and your nation. America needs student nurses to study for a high-paid professional career. Ask your local hospital for complete information.
This is Tony Marvin saying goodnight for the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation, the world's largest makers of household glass. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. That's Casey Crime Photographer with a 20-minute alibi starring Stotts Cotsworth from February 20th, 1947. Also heard in the cast, Leslie Woods and John Gibson with Marvin Miller announcing for Anchor Hocking Glass as heard over CBS. Stick around. I'll give you our lineup for episode 97 of the Classic Radio Theater after this short break. time on episode 97 of the Classic Radio Theater, brought to you by the Bradford Exchange. It's two comedy episodes of The Great Gildersleeve, starring Hal Perry from 1948. So don't miss it. To reach me and to learn more about the Classic Radio Club, visit ClassicRadioClub.com. Be sure to tune into our next show, and make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts to never miss an episode. Thanks for listening.